Morning, everyone. You're going to have to do better than that because this is an interactive sermon this morning. Oh, <laughs> everyone's favourite. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> so today is about good news, the good news of Jesus. Let me hear a cheer. By the end, I hope that you're actually excited about the good news of Jesus. <laughs> Hopefully today will be a reminder to us all about what the good news is, what he's done for us, what he continues to do for us, what he's going to do for us in the future. And then when we come back into worship, it just explodes. We can't even hear the worship band. It's that loud. Yeah, that's a planky. <laughs> Seriously, though. I do feel like God has changed this message since I first started studying it. but And it's a bit... I'm stepping out there. I know I'm a teacher and I probably do this normally in school and things like that. But it's a bit different doing it at church, I think. So we'll see how we go. Right, so first of all, Rachel, would you help me? Glamorous assistant Rachel is going to give out some green card. Uh, if you don't have a pen, get a pen as well. But if you were in my classroom and you didn't have a pen, you'd instantly be in trouble because you're supposed to bring your own pen with you. But we'll let you off. So you probably need, I know Rachel's given them out now, and I should have given these instructions clearly at the beginning. No, people need them, but they may need more than one. Maybe two or three would be great. So we're all starting to feel a bit more comfortable about audience participation. I'm not, <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so today, Helena giving us her good news like fitted really well because my first question is, what happens when someone gives good news? So when Helena got up this morning and shared her good news, I heard people clapping and cheering and things like that and I'm sure after the service when you get a chance people will be hugging her and asking if they, what they can specifically pray for so there's a response to good news Helena's good news we responded by clapping any other ways that people respond when they hear good news cheer yeah excellent so you're thinking about when Middlesbrough win aren't you score a goal that's what you do yeah Anything else, yeah? Some people cry, yeah, just tears of joy that has been known to happen. So some good news, you cry because you're so happy. Tears of joy, obviously. Anything else? I mean, Jesus shared wine in the Bible, so yes, people get together and have a celebration and say cheers with a drink, yes. Prosecco normally, is it? Or champagne, depending on how expensive your taste is. So yes, anything else? Smile, yes, excellent. So can you, apart from Helena this morning, can you now conjure up, and you're probably thinking about a time when you received good news. Um, I've got a note here that says, share an example of good news. <laughs> so um, recently... Somebody that I work with, he announced that he was engaged. And it was just, we get together, there's a few of us that get together and have breakfast on a morning in the staff room. 
And he was like, um, I've got good news, I'll cheese all up. And obviously it was a bunch of women and he was the only man. And we were all like, ah, please tell me you've got a picture of the engagement ring. And he did, luckily, otherwise he'd have got lynched, I think. So we were all cheering, hugging him, saying, well done. And obviously all the questions about when you get married and things like that. And he's, don't know yet. <laughs> so yes, it was cheering, it was hugging, it was excitement. It was something that we, he wanted to share that good news with us. He wanted to share that. So sometimes when we get news, good news, we want to share it with other people. Or if we hear somebody else's good news, like people today will go home and say, Helen has raised all our money. How fantastic that she can now go on this trip. You know, people share that good news with other people. Here's a question. Why are you here at church today? Dragged here because you had to do worship or sound are not answers I'm looking for. It's a good question, isn't it? You know, why have you decided today you had a choice to get out of bed, get dressed and come to church this morning, to this church? And all of us have got different stories. Again, I've got a note that says, share. I'll look at what number two says. <laughs> we come here together to worship. And to be fair, controversial, but I could stay at home, put worship music on and worship myself. And God accepts that as worship, but there's something in coming together as a family, hearing good news, hearing encouragement, talking with one another, building relationships with one another. That edifies us, encourages us, or we can encourage other people in their walk. Good news. We're all here today for a reason. Might be different reasons, but there's a reason that we're here. And that is good news. So now, how do people respond to the good news of Jesus? I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 21. I'm not really bothered if you turn to it in your Bible or not, but if you have, you can. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to read it to you anyway. And it's starting at verse 1. And I'm mixed up with all my notes here. So Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11, tells the story. It's Matthew's record of Jesus entering Jerusalem. We've also got records in the other Gospels. And I'm going to refer to John and Luke as we go through this. Because I think all the writers of the Gospels bring different elements as they witnessed that entry into Jerusalem and the build-up and the stories that they would have shared. So in John's Gospel, chapter 12, I'll just turn to it, and it says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Right? So we're already getting this sense that there was people gathered, ready for the Passover feast. They were gathered with excitement because all of a sudden... People would have been passing it round. I don't think there was any Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or I've probably forgotten them. I'm not really up with social media um, in those days. So it would have been word of mouth. Guess who's coming? Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. I've heard he's just outside. He's on his way. What did they start doing? In John's gospel, it records that they started to take palm branches. They started to get ready because they were excited 
that Jesus was coming. And they went out to meet him. Right? They went out to meet him. So they were excited. They recognized who Jesus is. So their good news was, Jesus is coming. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11, it says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a court, the fall of a donkey. They were expecting a king. They would have known the scriptures, they would have heard the prophecies, they would have known that this is what to look out for. This expectant king, the king that was coming to rescue them, the king that was coming to save them. They would have known what that entry was meant to look like. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. Right, no questions. Go and take donkeys that don't belong to us and bring them here. And they were like, yeah, whatever, we'll go and do that. So off they went. They brought them back and placed their cloaks on them and Jesus sat on them. If you think about Jesus traveling around. He did, it, this wasn't unusual for him to move from town to town. He traveled around a lot, but he always walked everywhere. And this is the first time that he's actually like traveled on something rather than just walking. So he knew what was gonna happen. He knew he had to fulfill the scripture. They knew that the scripture had to be fulfilled. This was all a plan, it was a lining. It had to happen this way. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So a bunch of people who knew Jesus was coming to town, they knew who he was, they recognized him, praising God. So here's the first question. This is why you need a pen and a piece of paper. So take one of your leaves and think about who is Jesus, right? On your leaf, write down who Jesus is to you. As you're writing that down, start thinking about you if you want to share yours. And start worrying if I know your name. So that's what the kids do. <laughs> Money joking. <laughs> Volunteers. Volunteers. So, 
the question is, who is Jesus? So, obviously, as I was doing it, I thought, oh, yeah, you know, typical teacher, I'll get them. And God was like, you've got to do yours, you know, Maria. Okay. And you've got to share it. Okay. So I wrote, Jesus is the light of my life. Would anybody else like to share who Jesus is? Shout it out. doesn't matter if it's all at the same time. Saviour and Lord. The ultimate saviour. Son of the most high God. Light and salvation. Prince of peace. And we could go on and on and on. So many words used to describe who Jesus is. In Luke 19, verse 37... We've just heard in Matthew's gospel that they were singing Hosanna in the highest. It says here, the whole crowd began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. And of course, why were they singing joyfully in loud voices? For all the miracles they had seen. They knew, they could testify, they could witness to what Jesus had done in their lives and other people's lives. They knew that Jesus had made a difference. And of course, as usual, when things like this happen, the Pharisees got a bit, this is not right. And they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus replied, if they remained quiet, the stones would cry out. If they remained quiet, the stones would cry out. Jesus is worthy to be praised. God is worthy to be praised. Whether we do it or not, he deserves praise and honour. He was a crowd of people that were in awe of what Jesus had done. Some of them would have witnessed the fact that he'd brought Lazarus back from the dead. Lazarus and his family might have been in that crowd, waiting for Jesus to come. In John's Gospel, it records that the night before, they were at Martha and Mary's house, and Lazarus was there, and this is where Mary makes her offering of expensive perfume and you know, people have a problem with this. She's spending all this money, a year's worth of salary. But she got it. Mary got it. Jesus deserves my all, my best. Hers was one-on-one intimate worship with Jesus. A friend pouring out her gratitude for what Jesus had done in their lives. Compared to a whole crowd of people gathered together singing the praises of God... These people had witnessed what Jesus had done for Lazarus. And they didn't crowd him and say, come on, Jesus, heal my brother, heal my sister, do this for me. All they did was worship. They didn't demand anything of him. They just worshipped Jesus for what he'd done for somebody else. Shared in that good news. Here's where you take another leaf. And you think about, what has Jesus done for you? 
You have to be a little bit more brave now. This is you sharing your good news of what Jesus has done in your life. start to think about whether you're willing to share anything that's on that card but obviously God's told me I've got to share so <laughs> here goes <laughs> I could have wrote loads all the answers to prayer I think I've spoken about before that I keep a prayer journal and the answers to prayer in there so I could have went through that but I assume you probably want to get home for dinner so <laughs> I just picked out some right that came to mind right that obviously filled my heart. So, Jesus has forgiven me. That's all of us. To the point of, he doesn't even remember that sin. Jesus has healed my broken heart. Jesus has filled me with the joy that casts out darkness. I'm not saying that I'm floating around Mary Poppins style and like everything's rosy, but when you've got joy in your heart and your soul, even when you face a horrible day, you can't help but be like, but it doesn't matter because you can't take God's joy away from me. And that has led to God giving me hope. of a future, of plans, of the best life possible, life in all its fullness. And I think I always talk about this, but God's given me a job I love. And I never take that for granted because I know that not everybody gets to go to a job that they love. So for me, that is something to be really grateful for. Everybody's holding their breath now and being like, would any, I'm not saying that you have to, but would anybody like to share what God's done? I love that. You like the kids? Your heads have gone like that. I'm really busy, miss, don't ask me. <laughs> Fantastic. Giving me identity as a child of God. Just let that land, a child of God. You know yourself the special relationship that you have with your parents and how that makes you feel. And to have that identity in God is special, isn't it? Giving you a purpose, fantastic. Fantastic, fantastic. Transformed lives. Life will never be the same again because Jesus lives in us. 
Thank you. So the good news is Jesus has done all of these things and more. You know, there's people here that have got different stories. So we've got all these people gathering in Jerusalem. Let's start thinking about who would have been in that crowd of people, right? They're gathering for the Passover feast. They're getting ready for that special celebration. The people that would have been there, any suggestions who might have been in that crowd? Pharisees and Sadducees. Obviously, they're the type of people that were watching Jesus to see what he was going to do next. Anybody else? Yes, his disciples and friends would have been there because they were with him all the time. Some of the other people that I thought might have been there, in one of the gospel accounts just before this happened, um, Jesus met Zacchaeus, who was the tax collector, who people in the village he was in didn't care much about because who likes a tax collector? <laughs> I'm joking. But he was stealing. He was taking too much task. He wasn't being fair and honest. And Jesus picked him out. He climbed a tree. Jesus picked him out. And obviously that upset people. Why is he talking to Zacchaeus, exactly the tax collector? But he welcomed Jesus into his home and his life was transformed. He paid back the money he'd stolen. He asked for forgiveness for his sins and he changed the way he did his work. He was transformed and forgiven. In some gospel accounts, it talks about the blind beggars or the two blind people whose sight was healed just before this. So maybe they were in there and they'd have recognized him. They'd have been able to see him again, you know, looked at his beauty, seen with their eyes the amount of people that were there. They wouldn't have probably grasped how many people were there before then. Maybe we talked about Martha and Mary and Lazarus would have been there, you know, because they'd have they spent the night before with him and they'd have travelled with him just to see what was going on. In one account we have a boy and his father and his father begged for Jesus to cast out a demon from him and he did and so maybe they'd have followed him and been like, people would have seen that boy and been like, he's like a completely different child, look at him now. And obviously his disciples, his friends, the people that followed him, maybe people who'd witnessed him feeding 5,000 people. This would have been full of people that would have known the miracles, the good news of what Jesus had done in their lives. And then if there was people there that hadn't, they'd have been talking about it, like who's coming, why are we waiting for him, why is he so special, and they'd have been spreading that good news, whipping the crowd up, it's Jesus coming, this is what he's done, this is how he's changed my life. All the people there had been shown mercy by God, by Jesus. All saw for themselves the good news of what Jesus had done in their lives. Their good news is that Jesus had made a difference. Let's take another one of your leaves. It gets a little bit harder now. How is your life transformed because of Jesus?
So the good news is Jesus transforms lives. Jesus makes a difference. Jesus has transformed my life because of his grace. You can never be unsaved. You're saved, you're forgiven. That can't be taken away from you. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see any sin at all. Even if we remember, even if we think about it, God looks at us and just sees a child of God, a forgiven child of God, a transformed child of God. Jesus has transformed my life because I have a hope. Jesus promised life in all its fullness. So even on days where it's tough or you think this isn't what I thought was going to happen or this is not the plan, we've got a hope that Jesus has got more. Life in all its fullness. Jesus has transformed my life because of his love. Jesus loves me so much that he fills me up, but it flows out into the people that I have the privilege to be in relationship with. The people you work with, your family. Jesus loves others through me. Anybody want to share what they've wrote down? Fantastic. Praise God. No longer live in condemnation. Transformed. Anybody else? Fantastic. Gives us what's best for us, not necessarily what we want. Amen. Fantastic. A more caring person because Jesus is in our lives and a hope that we've got an eternity with him. And so many more things that you've got wrote on your leaves. Jesus is, Jesus has done, Jesus has transformed. In the account, we hear in verse 8 that it says, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground. So the crowd recognised who Jesus was and what he had done and why he was coming, why he was there. It wasn't just a random thing. Jesus came in and like his disciples went round and said, come on, here's some palm branches, start praising Jesus. They saw him or they heard he was coming and they were like, let's get ready. We've seen him do so many things. He is our promised king. He is who we say he is. And their response was to pour out in worship. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. They knew that he was what was promised to them. Do we recognize Jesus in our lives? Do we recognize when maybe 
Jesus isn't in our lives? What difference does having Jesus in our life look like? Having Jesus in your life, is a, it's, a, it's a friendship, it's a relationship, it takes work. You can't just take for granted, although Jesus is with us all the time and comes with us. You can't take that for granted. You've got to work on that relationship. Speaking to him as often as you can. Kids at school, because they know I'm a Christian, they're always asking questions. One of the questions they ask is, how many times a day do you pray? I mean, <laughs> how do you answer that? My answer's always like, how do you know I'm not praying now? <laughs> but it, it's, you're constantly in conversation because you want to be in relationship with him and you want him to be part of your life. You wake up on the morning and your first thought is, I need coffee, obviously, but... <laughs> But then you're talking to Jesus, you're reading your Bible, you're singing songs, even though I can't sing, no one's hear that. But I'm sure God thinks I'm an amazing singer when I sing. But that's because you just want God to be part, Jesus to be in your day. Days like that are filled with joy no matter what happens. So something bad happens, you get confronted, the day doesn't go how you want it to be. You can still feel joy because you're like, well, Jesus is in this with me. It gives you courage to step out. So in the role that I do at school, I have the privilege of being responsible for what is called SMSC. Basically, it just means that I do the weekly themes and coordinate assemblies and things like that. And I've really stepped out before we did it, worship at school was something that was done to children. Like someone got out the front, did something, and they just sat and listened or didn't listen. I wanted them to be part of it. I've introduced singing songs, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, but I've introduced pupils having to say something in worship or bring something to worship and that's because Jesus is in my life and Jesus wants the best and this is Jesus giving me the courage and that's what Jesus in your life looks like it looks like love wanting to serve others Whatever that is, at work, at home, church, Jesus in your life, you just, you want to serve Jesus and the best way to do that is by serving wherever you can, others. And Jesus in my life has meant that I have a really good relationship with my mum, which sounds really funny, but we haven't always got along, but now she is a friend to me and we get on. I'm not a favourite, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's because Jesus is in my life and he has shown me and her how to get along. Jesus transforms lives. So let's just recap. We've talked about who Jesus is, Prince of Peace, Saviour, Rescuer, Ultimate Saviour, Light and salvation, light of the world. 
We've talked about what Jesus has done for us. All the answered prayers that we've talked about and not spoken about. We've talked about how Jesus transforms our lives, makes us better people, makes us more loving, gives us what we need, not what we want. What is our response to all of that? And to what Jesus promises will come. We've talked about everything that's already happened. We haven't even touched on all the promises that God makes us for the future. He's not going to stop answering prayers now. He's not going to stop transforming hearts and lives. But what do you do with that good news? What is your response? Yes, share the good news with other people. Share the good news. I'm going to ask the worship band to come back up. And this is where we imagine that it's the triumphal entry into Jerusalem all over again. We lose our inhibitions. The first song talked about singing and shouting and dancing, and none of us did that. Excellent. You want to show us how? <laughs> but we're going to lose our inhibitions. We're going to think about all those things that we've just reminded ourselves of what, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and that should liberate us. Making some bold statements here, especially since I'm going to go at the front. <laughs> no, seriously though, let's just pause and I'll pray. And it's just our response right now should be about Jesus. And then as we leave this place today, our response should be about sharing that good news. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us now, that you're in our lives, that you are the light of our light, that you are our salvation, our saviour, our rescuer. We thank you that you've answered prayers and we thank you that you've transformed our lives. You deserve all our honour and praise and we want to respond to you right now. Thank you, Jesus.